Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good morning, One Hope. Uh, So you guys know, uh, most of you would know, the Moore family is kind of a sports family. We enjoy our sports. So Ellie, she's a volleyball player, still playing college. Jackson's a basketball kid, and he's still playing. And and we've enjoyed kind of growing up with the kids and having all these experiences. Well, before Jackson became just a basketball kid, we did the travel baseball thing like many people did. We had the warm and early days. We had the cold, frigid morning days, long days, weekends. They took all of our money, like all the things. You know, that works. Um, before we just became a basketball kid, we'd, we were part of that world. Um, I think it was after 10-year-old World Series. Jackson says, Dad, like, I like hanging out with my friends, but like, I'm a basketball kid. I'm like, all right, bro, I'm not going to try to talk you into being woken up early for weeks on end on Saturdays. I'm good with this, you know? Like, I'm good with not spending all of our money. So we became basketball. But it was, it was the last um, tournament Jackson ever played, and we were in like one of these World Serieses that, that you may have heard about, and we were playing phenomenal. Like, we w- worked through the, 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 you know, the pool play kind of stuff, and we hadn't lost, and we got into the bracket play, and uh, we hadn't lost, and we're just cruising through things. And we get to the final, and, and if you know how this works, is since we went through the winner's bracket, the, the one that came up who had lost, they have to beat us twice in the championship. I'm thinking, bro, like, we're just moving along. Like, we can't be stopped right now. We're in our groove. Like, you know, like, you know how this is. And so we're actually playing a team that we'd already beat once. So let's go, right? Like, bring it on. So we get to that first game, and it's a battle back and forth until the last inning, and we took, the, we took the L, all right? We took the loss, and I'm just like, okay, it's all right. Maybe they threw their best arm, you know, like they came at us. All right, I get it. We, 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 we got them the second game. So we played the second game, and just like before, it's a little back and forth, and, and it came to the, the end, and I look and go, we've got the silver ring, not the gold ring, because we lost the second game, and I'm just like, how does this happen? Like, we are cruising along. Like, we're moving along. We've already beat them. How does it happen that you go from only winning to now losing twice? Well, if you've ever been in the sports world, you know that's how this can work. It can turn in a moment. But this is also how life works. Life can work the same way where you feel like things are going your way. You think, you look and go like, I'm just moving along, and, and, and it's kind of like it, things are on my side, right? Like I'm kind of on top. But then in a moment, all of a sudden it's not. You start looking around and go, what happened? Like, how did I get here? What happened? And, and, and many of the times, or some of the times in life, you can look and go, it, it just, that's the way life works. Like, it just, sorry, that's just the way life works. But there are other times. When actually, if you would be honest with yourself and look back, there's a reason, and it comes back to sometimes the decisions that we make. It comes back to, to it, it actually is our fault. And today, we're going to look at a guy things were going great in his life but then he made a crucial decision that changed everything for him and the people around him 
See, we're going to continue, actually, in week eight of this series that we have been walking through. If you're a guest today, like I said, there were seven weeks before this of this anchored series. And this series is simple. We're just talking about decisions we make in life. We're talking about in life we make decisions that, um, uh, uh, that need to be our anchors because if we don't, we will drift. If we don't put down anchors in our life, we will drift to spaces and places that bring destruction in our lives. And so um, what we've been looking at is um, essentially decisions that we make um, determine what we believe. Decisions that we make show what we worship. Decisions that we make will make a difference in the end. And, and I'll just say for myself, the decision that I've made is that I want to walk through life the way God has called me to walk through. I want to make decisions, say, I want his culture, I want his strategy, I want his guardrails, I want w- w- the margins kind of that God has put in my life because I think this is the best life to pursue. And I'll tell you, I'm not perfect in this, but it is my pursuit. Which is why first week, the first anchor, was we are just leaning into God's truth, His Word. We're leaning into His truth that's going to set the pace for my life. And, and, and so if you missed any of that one or the, the six that came after, you can go back. But I want to jump into today's anchor. Because today's anchor is actually going to be maybe a little bit different than previous ones. This anchor today may be one where some of you text me afterwards as you do and you're like Maybe you stepped on my toes a little bit and that's okay. Maybe that's a good thing This is maybe one of those i'm gonna push some buttons and it's gonna be like scott Like I don't know if I want you to push in this place in my life But what i'm gonna do today Is I want to put before you a potential trap I want to put before you a potential trap that I think the enemy tries to lay for us. Like we have a spiritual enemy that tries to lay down for us, and if we fall into this trap, I think it changes immensely our relationship with God and his movement in our life. So let's go into it. Let's talk about it. Today we're going to be in the book of Joshua. If you want to go, we're going to walk through some of that. Feel free. Um, We're going to look in the book of Joshua, and the first words in the book of Joshua are this. After the death of Moses. Those are the first words. After the death of Moses. Moses, the great leader and prophet of Israel. Moses, the one that God used to give the Ten Commandments. Moses, who used to, uh, to rescue them from slavery. Moses, the one who God used to help them show or help them see the relationship that God wanted to have with them that was going to be more intimate and dynamic and close. This is the leader, and now he is dead. And there is a uh, there's a new leader, and it's Moses's right-hand man. His name is Joshua. Now, Joshua is stepping into a position of leadership, okay, where God's promise that he has made the Israelites is going to come to fruition. He's stepping into a leadership position where they're going to live out the blessing that God has been telling them for years that they were going to get. 
they're going to experience some pretty incredible things. If you've not read the book of Joshua, I would say go back and read it because there's some amazing stories in there where you're like, wow, God does some incredible things in the lives of his people. And the first thing we see in this book of Joshua is um, God is going to take them over through the Jordan River to get on the other side. This is a big deal. This has to happen. This is the moment that they have been waiting for. If you read before this, you see the Israelites, they've been walking and wandering through the wilderness to get to this promised land. And all of a sudden, they're going to be on the other side of the Jordan River. And it's almost like it's happening. We're winning. Things are going well. So the day comes and they cross over and there they are. There they are. They're in this place that God has promised them. And the very first thing that God does is says that he tells them to consecrate themselves. Prepare that yourselves for what is about to happen. And very quickly, they find themselves in a battle. And in a battle that you know very well, I think. The very first battle on the other side of the Jordan. You remember which one it is? It's the battle with a city called Jericho. Okay, you've heard of this, right? Like, like where they walk around the city for six days, once a day, and on the seventh day they walk around a bunch, and what happens? It all comes down and crumbles. Well, there's something that God says through Joshua, I want you to see that is going to be so important for them for that moment, I think even until today. That's what it says, Joshua 6, 17 through 19. It says, the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. Keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble onto it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into the treasury. Okay, stop there. God has spoken. God has given guidelines of how they should walk through this first battle. And as I said before, and as you know, like they walk around, the walls fall down in Jericho. Israel wins the battle, and they get to continue on in this journey that God has promised them in this promised land. They're going to continue in what God is doing in their life. Once again, these are really good days for the Israelites. They are very much on top of the world. And what we see next coming for them is they're about to be in a battle with a city called Ai. At least that's how I think it's pronounced. It's A-I. But it's a battle city called Ai. Now, this city is not going to be much of a battle. This city is nothing like Jericho. This city, they walk up and they decide, listen, it's just this city. We're only going to send 3,000 men to go take it over. We don't have to go all in on this one. But the problem is, they lose. The problem is, 
they lose and 36 men die as they're making or going through this defeat to the city and scripture says they get so afraid they melt like water and it's in this moment that Joshua and the other people they can't believe it what has happened things were going so well and they begin to ask questions God how did this happen how did we get to this place? We had been dominating. We're working in what you have for us. We're moving along. And all of a sudden we lose? What is going on? We just defeated Jericho. They're fortified. They are strong. How could we be defeated? And it says that Joshua tore his clothes and fell face first before the Lord. He's confused and he's upset. They didn't win. And this is what it says in Joshua chapter 7, verse 10 through 26. Let me read this next moment in Joshua's life. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? I, I, how I read this, what are you doing down on your face, confused and, and not sure what's going on? Like He says, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them in their own possessions. This is why the Israelites can't stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and they run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. He says, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. So, in the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe the tribe the lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan the clan the lord chooses shall come forward family by family and the family the lord chooses shall come forward man by man whoever is caught with devoted things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him he has, he has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua and Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. That's one of the tribes. Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward. There's a bunch of names in here. Can we just skip them together this morning? There's a bunch. This is Joshua, and then I'll go 18, okay? Joshua had his family come forward by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, and the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, and the tribe of Judah was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, here's the big moment, y'all. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. 
When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent in the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in the tent, with silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, um, the son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold, the bar, his sons, his daughters, cattle, his donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned down. Over Achan they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Acre ever since. What a story. If we care about Scripture, what a story. What a moment in history. But let's go back for a moment, or what I read before this. What did God say to the people through Joshua before the battle of Jericho? What did I read? Devote everything to me. This is what he commanded his people. You're in the promised land. I am working in your life. There are things that are going to happen, but you need to devote everything to me. Or you're opening yourselves up for destruction. What did Achan do? What did Achan do after God gave specific instruction to him? Achan coveted, and he took some of the stuff just for himself. He took to make sure he had what he wanted. He became greedy with what God had been doing, and he took it for himself. He began to think about himself more than God and the rest of his people. He lived in direct disobedience to what God had told them in how to live their lives. And this is where we need to take a big pause. And I want to tell you something that you already know, but I want to bring it to the surface, and I want to say it as blunt and concise and to the point as I can. There is always a price to be paid when there is disobedience to God in your life. Hear me. There is always a price to be paid when there is disobedience to God in your life. Disobedience is always detrimental. Now, that is sometimes in the moment, sometimes it is de uh, um, delayed. But disobedience always costs us in the end. 
And I'll tell you, when we find ourselves drifting in life, usually there's a moment or moments where you can look back and say, there is disobedience in my life. That is why I'm drifting in places and spaces that I didn't ever think I would be. Now, what did Achan's disobedience cost him? What was the price that he paid? His life. Literally, his life. But that's not it. What else did Achan's disobedience cost? It cost Israel defeat. It cost 36 men their lives. It cost his family their lives. This is what we need to first see from this story, that his disobedience didn't just cost him. It hurt the people around him. That normally, this is a principle for life, that your disobedience is rarely ever in isolation just to you. That there are ripple effects of our disobedience that often flow onto the people who are closest to us. I said earlier that the message today that I want to bring is one to prepare you about a potential trap in our lives. And here's what the trap is. The last two weeks, the word that I've been using, if you, if you missed this, you can go back, but if you've been here, you know the word I've been using the past two weeks is the word holiness, right? I've talked to you about how God wants us to live as followers as him, to be holy, which means to be set apart, to be separated, to be different. Now I want to remind you how I've walked through that. The first week in regards to holiness, in regards to being set apart, I talked about being set apart in who we are, our character, our Christ-likeness. To, to, to follow Jesus, we have to be set apart from the world's values, from our culture around us values. We cannot follow Jesus and be one in the world. We have to be set apart. This is what it means to follow him. It's how, who am I as a person? Am I in the world and of the world, or am I separate? Then the second week, we, we move past the person that we are, and we talked about holiness or being set apart in what we do, right? That I, I said, and hopefully very clearly I said, that we aren't called to just be a disciple. We are called to be what? Disciple makers. Matthew 28. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is some of his closing words Go and be a witness. Go and make disciples. That I don't think a, a, there is something, uh, there can be a follower of Jesus, truly following Jesus, living out the life we're called to live, and not be making disciples. They don't go together to make disciples at home, to make disciples at work, to make disciples everywhere you go. This is why Bill just made an announcement about this Saturday. Like, we're, we're, we're going to begin to have this conversation more and more. How do we become a disciple maker? Move on from being a disciple to doing what God called us to do. And I'd love for you to come Saturday. Because we're called to be set apart in how we live. Well, this week. We're taking another step further. This is the last week I'll talk about this aspect of holiness. 
but we need to be talk about we need to talk about being set apart from the world not just in who we are not just in how we live but we have to have the conversation how do we live set apart with what we have what we have been given the conversation we need to have is how do we live set apart with everything that God has given us in life? How do we live set apart on the other side of God's blessing and movement in my life? How do I handle, how do I live with everything that God says, I have given you this? Because that is the story of what we're walking through. God is giving, God is blessing, God is providing, God is saying, but he gives a certain command. How do we handle the wisdom he's given us? How do we handle the influence he's given us? How do we handle the experiences he has walked us through? How do we handle the talents and giftings he has given us? How do we handle the time that he's given us in life? How do we handle the monetary, financial blessings that he has given us in life? The stuff. How do we handle, how do we live in everything that God has said, I've given you, I've, I've blessed you? What are we doing with the things we have in our life? And here's the question, a big question for you today is, could you say, Everything I have been given by God is devoted to God. Is everything I've been given by God devoted back to God? See, Achan in this story, it wasn't just that a problem that he took something I think it was the heart behind what happened in this moment. His problem, it seemed like, is how he viewed God and how he called them to live. That I think it looks at Achan's life, he didn't understand that everything that was happening was because of God, so everything was God's, and it wasn't really up for discussion of how it should be handled. No, Achan had his own agenda. Achan had his own story. Achan had his own small world. This is how I'm going to live. It seemed like from Achan's life that he had something else he worshipped more than God. Because whatever we worship is what we'll devote ourselves to, and we'll see what we are devoted to in the decisions that we make. And see, what we see is that what we see is that, that the land that God had promised them that God was moving in their life God had told them, this is how I want you to handle what I'm giving you. And just like the story of Jackson and that baseball, everything was going well until a moment happened where all of a sudden a switch happened. And sometimes in life, you can't point a finger to what it is. But in this story of Aiken, you can directly point and go, I know why things changed. 
Achan said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to decide to do what I want to do. And I think a decision was made that, God, what you are doing in my life, God, what you have given me in my life is not enough. I'm going to go and I'm going to hoard everything that I can and bring it back to myself. God, what you're doing is not quite enough. And I know he had to hear the word, so he had to do it in direct disobedience. God, I know you said devote, the, devote these things, but I see some things I really want for myself, and I'm going to hoard them to myself. That he forgot the reason that they were winning, the reason that they were moving along in life, the reason that the promised land was given to them was because God was winning. It had nothing to do with what Achan was doing. And very quickly, he turned a blessing into a curse based on how he handled what God gave. He turned something that was a blessing by God, giving them what he had promised, and it turned from a blessing to a curse in a moment of disobedience. See, I think sometimes, unfortunately, this is our life. We don't want to resonate with Achan. The problem is we very much look like this sometimes. God is doing. God is providing. God has given us so much. See, we often think about what God gives, and we think about it as tangible things. It is our money. It's our stuff, our house, or whatever. But like, God has given us so much in life beyond the things we can put our hands on. Yes, there are, is money. Yes, there is our material things. But as I said before, he's given us wisdom. He's given us time. He's given us our talent side. He's given us influence. He's given us friendships. He's given us all these things. And we have a decision to make. Do we live open-handed? God, it's yours. Or do we start hoarding things and holding it close to our chest because we're afraid? What if I don't have this stuff? What if I miss an opportunity? We have a decision. We can live open-handed. God, you give, and, and, and I, I just live. Like, or do I, do, I, do I gather in like Achan did and put stuff under our tent? See, when I think of this story, and I think about living set apart, we are called to live differently than the world lives. And the world's dynamic, the culture, is get everything you can get. Get everything, everything you can get your hands on, everything you got, use it for yourself. That's the culture. Get as much as you can and use it for yourself. Hoard what you can get. Hoard what you have. The problem is, that is not how God works. And I'll tell you, there is a price to be paid. There is a cost when we live versus this. When we live hoarding versus this. And I want to tell you what those things are. What I've experienced or what I've seen. See, the first thing I see when you don't live open-handed is that fear rules over freedom. When you live close-handed versus open-handed, fear rules over freedom. And can I just, can I be completely transparent for you today? This is 
a trap that the enemy tries to put for me all the time. And I think I fell into it for years in my life. That I fell into this fear of not having enough. That you can begin to live to accumulate. You can live to let fear dominate because you worry if I don't do that, I'm going to run out. Have you ever struggled with that? Like, this is a big deal for me. Big deal. Like, I feel it to my depths of just like, it's hard for, I've only got so much time, so where do I put it? I just, I want to pull back. I've got a certain amount of influence, and do I waste it over here? Do I follow God and I put it over here? But what if I use it over here? Do I still have it over there? Do I lose it? Like, how am I so? Finances are a big deal to me. I'll be honest, like, I love, I think I've, years ago, I think I told you this, I love to save. I'm not going to lie. I love to save. Why do I do that? Because I get a lot of peace from saving. Because when the day comes when I need something, Oh, I've prepared and I planned and I, okay, I'm good. And I'm not saying saving is bad. What I'm saying is I was so focused on I wanted to keep things to myself, it, it really generated a fear and I didn't live in freedom of what God gave me. I didn't live in a freedom of what God gave me because I just wanted to control it. I wanted to keep it close. And God is over and over says, Scott, this is not how we live. Whatever I give you, you are not the stopping point. You're the pass through to building the kingdom on earth. You are the pass through, not the ending point. And this is how the world often lives, is when we get something, it's about ending at me. Look what I got. When I think to God, it's, no, it passes through to us to what he wants to do bigger than me but I became a person that said no I w- I'm not sure what I can give away out of fear fear rules over freedom and Jesus has said I come to set you free not to let fear dominate you the second thing I think that happens is it actually disrupts the blessing of God. When we live this way, it disrupts the blessing of God. Listen, God was pouring out his favor on the people. Look at this story. And this is not an isolated story. I could, we could go down the line of how these stories work. That God was pouring favor. He's blessing. And God was moving. God was giving. God was providing. They were moving along in what he had for them. And then in a moment, in a moment, what happened? I put the story before you. He says, I can't do it anymore. I told you how to live. You went against it. And until that attitude and until that move is out, I can't bless it anymore. Now listen, this one can be tough because this is not, like God's blessing is not like an equation. If I do this, then I get this. This is more principled. God, I believe, wants to give in abundance. I think you see this through Scripture. He's a generous, abundant, giving God. 
But you also see, how can God bless when that abundance and giving is all about you versus what he's doing through you? And it just seems, as I read through Scripture, when we don't live open-handed, it disrupts the blessing of God. This is why I said disobedience always comes at a price. It always costs something. And I said first, it costs you freedom because fear takes over. And I actually think there's a disruption of God's ability to say, like, I want to move and give and use your life, but you're not devoting it to me. How can I give to that? The third one I see is it leads to spiritual death. It seems to always lead to spiritual death. In the beginning, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God. You know that story, right? Adam and Eve, perfect relationship with God. They had everything they needed and more. But the big part of that story is they wanted something outside of what God said that they needed. He put a little parameter up and said, it's all yours except for this. And what did they do? It wasn't that they ate the apple. That was the byproduct. The problem was, is they didn't trust him with what he had been giving them was enough. They didn't trust him. They went outside they took things into their own hands. They said, I want to do it my way. I want to use what I have, the capabilities in life. I want to do it my way, not your way. And they ate the apple, and what happened? It wasn't physical death, like the story of Achan, right? But it was a spiritual death. They went from being close Intimate, walking in the garden with God and having the relationship with God that was supposed to happen. It was perfect. And all of a sudden, there was distance. There was death of a close relationship. Because they chose to use their life for what they wanted. They chose to want to do things out the parameter, outside the parameters that God had given them. I think this is more of an intense conversation than we want to give it credit because I think this goes through the Bible all over the place. In Luke chapter 12, there's a parable, and I won't read the parable, but can I read how Jesus ends it? He says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be much more will be asked. Maybe you've heard it before, to whom much is given, much is expected. Is that kind of how you've heard this play out? It's all through Scripture. That God gives but when he gives, he expects us to handle it the way he, he, he the, the reason that he gives it. You know what's crazy about this story? Achan's story. After this moment, okay, Achan and his family and the donkeys and the cattle, everything, they're all burned. and They go back and they battle I again. And you know what happens? They dominate. And do you know what God says to them? It's all yours. It's all yours. Provide for your family. It's all yours. 
God is not trying to hold back. God is not trying to say, it's all, it's all give it to me and you get nothing. God provided for them in abundance and he was going to through I. But Achan decided to do it his own way. That God is not trying to punish or keep from you. He's trying to say, do it my way. I've got so much for you. We live differently than everybody else. You trust me with your life. See, the eighth anchor for today is that everything we have been given by God needs to be devoted back to Him. Everything you have been given in life, maybe this afternoon go through the list of everything He's given you, needs to be devoted back to God so he can do everything he wants to do in your life and through your life. We are set apart in who we are, our Christ-likeness. We are set apart in our mission in this world. And, but we are set apart in how we handle what God gives us. It is not about us. It is about God. This is all yours, so I live open-handed. And this brings freedom to me. It opens the door for God to continue to work in my life. And actually, it brings us closer, not further apart in our relationship with God because we are completely devoted. My challenge to you this morning is to look at your life and what God has given you and how are you handling it. I asked earlier, could you say everything you've been given, you have devoted it to God? My ask for you is to not take this Lightly. How does God want to use your life to build his kingdom? How does God want to use your life to change other people's lives? How does God want to use your skill, your talent, your business, your finances, your relationships, your, your time? How does he want to use it for something bigger than how you view it? Are you going to gather things and gather things and hold it? Are you going to say, God, like you said, devote everything to you? This is a decision we have to make. And I'll be honest, this is hard. I told you where my hard moment is that I still wrestle with. God is shaping me and growing me and developing me in this. There are certain moments that I know that he's worked to push me through these places that I normally would just go like this, but he's pushed, okay. But for you, where does God need to push you? How do you need to live open-handed with what God has given you in a way you aren't right now so that you can be set apart and be who God's called you to be? And so, Heavenly Father, today I just put before your people the story of Achan trying to show what happens when we do and we don't live in obedience to you. God, I think you want to do so much more, and we actually limit you in life because of how we handle what you give us. God, I want this place to be a generous place that they give everything back to you. And because of that, there's freedom, not fear. Because of that, you can move freely in our life. And God, actually, we live in a spiritual abundance in relationship with you, not at a distance. 
So will you show us the ways we're holding on? Will you show us the ways that we're being like Achan? And may we then just hand it over to you and say, God, you do what you want to do in my life. We are devoted to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.